podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, 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 everybody. How are we doing? Welcome to... I can't see anybody's faces. Guys, unmute yourselves. Let me figure this out. <laughs> oh, while people join, while people join, let me quickly make sure. This is how hello, you do things smoothly Mike. and professionally, guys. How are we? How are we, Craig? How are we, Cole? How are we feeling? Very good, Mike. How are you doing? Absolutely brilliant. I'm definitely not working from home while also doing this pod. I'm definitely doing things how it's meant to be done. As always, we do have a guest with us today. We have Sorry, Cole Pettison. Petum, is that how you say your last name, brother? There you go. Second time's the charm. <laughs> <laughs> what about you from, Cole? I'm from a little town called Brockville in Canada. So uh, the villa have somehow migrated uh, to this neck of the woods. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> So obviously we're here today to talk about the games coming up. Before we get started, mate, just walk us through how you're feeling, you know, just in general. You and I, Emery, the window, just in general, mate, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. It's um, It's been definitely an interesting year. Oh, there I can see everybody now. Uh, we're back there. There. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of media. Uh, nonetheless, yeah, it's been a really, really good window. Um, I mean... Never really know what to expect under Unai Emery in particular. Um, we've definitely went from kind of the the Dean Smith days to the attempt of Gerard trying to bring in more quality to uh, now signing the likes of Torres and Diaby and kind of making that next step up. And everyone essentially he's brought in so far, it looks like he's made them better. So all in all, I'm not used to this. I'll be honest. I came yeah. into Villa fandom around 2011, so I'm still relatively new. I joined when it went all to hell, basically. Uh, long story <laughs> short. So I'm really enjoying this. No, I bet. Well, when it comes to you know the last 12 months, as you say, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. When Gerard took over, you know, Liverpool fans, we were kind of ruined for you guys, and then uh, it went south to say the least. From a Villa fans' perspective, when Unai Emery came in, what do you think the biggest change was to your team? Was it just the energy, the atmosphere, style of play? Like, how was it for you? Um, I mean, this probably sounds really bad to Gerard, um, but probably Go the off, coaching. Go on. <laughs> um, the it, coaching. Just, massively, it just seems like there was a game plan immediately under Unai Emery. You could kind of see mm. what he was trying to get across. With, with Gerard, it just always seemed like it was... I don't really know what the plan was, but if it didn't go well, it was, oh, the players have to be more accountable. At what point does that really just kind of tune everyone out, including the fans mm-hmm. as well? So I think it's been kind of a hint of that. Um, we've heard in the media as well in regards to um, how much time he spends at uh, the training facility in terms of watching video, going at, over kind of the small minute details with the players. I think actually Matty Cash just had an interview a week or so um, kind of, pertaining to that information so it's just you can tell he's that next level of manager and I guess with the investment that the ownership has been putting in since we've been back in the Premier League I think it's about time that we've kind of had the the manager to match per se okay and just out of interest like you know we've we've come across Emery in the past in the Premiership and I've seen his teams over in Spain as well but how would you tell Liverpool fans like what his setup is with the team and like what type of type of football are you now playing under under Emery in comparison to before? Um, I would definitely say quick passing. He loves to play out from the back. There's every team knows there's a lots of uh, plenty of risk with that as well. Um, sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, there's a perfect example of it. Almost not paying off against Burnley, where I think it was uh, uh, Martinez wasn't playing. Olsen was playing in goal which gives every Villa fans 
minds just in tatters when it's not Martinez and it is Olsen. So hopefully he's fit and firing for Sunday. Um, but just kind of playing it out from the back, moving it around from the wings. Uh, you'll see probably a lot of, I would imagine if he goes with the same kind of setup as to Burnley, you'll see a lot of Luca Dean kind of swinging in from the left and Matty Cash almost playing as more of a right winger like he did in his forest days. So um, utilizing those, but when in defending mode, we're all five at the back, very compact, very tight. Uh, Dougie Louise and Bubakar Kamara kind of sit very tightly in front of them and we kind of work out from there. Um, much more pressing, a lot more organization. And again, this sounds really bad to Jared. I'm, we've talked about this on our podcast a million times. It's just, it, it's the difference between someone that actually knows what they're doing and someone that didn't. And I'll be brutally honest with that. Right. So <clears throat> at least you were brutally honest. I think that's what the fans <laughs> need. Trust me, as a Liverpool fan, we've had enough brutal honesty ourselves this season. So when it comes to your transfer window, I think, you know, at, from the outside looking in, it looks like you've had a fantastic window. I think you've got rid of some dead wood. Surprised you're looking, uh, got you, you got rid of Ramsey. I was surprised with that one personally. But in terms of Diaby uh, coming in as well, and then, as I say, sort of reinvigorated your defence with some of these signings coming in, what does it look like to you from, from a, a Villa fan perspective? Does this look like a, a Europa League team getting formed, a Champions League, you know, elect get informed you know what what is it that you guys are trying to build right now do you think it, it's kind of interesting you mentioned ramsey there and of course cameron archer just went to sheffield united for almost i think 20 million pounds as well so um in that regards villa are finally kind of catching up to the way that modern football is selling on some young talent to uh, deal with ffp keep the books kind of going and that kind of stuff and if they work out there's a buyback clause, so they, they come back. So that's all well and good. But in terms of the squad as a whole, I think um, there's still some business to be done. I am happy with it. I think it's definitely, it's almost like a weird gap probably between the Conference League caliber and I would say Europa League caliber. Uh, there's still more work to be done. Uh, I, th I still think we're definitely a ways off of being a, a Champions League side. I think there's a few more kind of um, evolutions that have to come before that not only just managing the league with cup, but just basically a little bit of everything essentially um, with every facet of the club too. So um, in terms of the squad, like you said there, Diaby coming in is excellent. Um, again, brutally honest, he's probably what we hope Leon Bailey was right away. Um, and apparently it costed a little bit more to get the, I guess the next evolution of Leon Bailey, which seems to be Diaby funnily enough, uh, former teammates at Leverkusen. Um, but he looks at the likes of Pod Torres, Tillman's coming on on a free. They're just all little bits of, in my mind, smart business moves that needed to happen. Uh, whether, like I said, bringing Tillman's in on a free, paying him increased wages, I'm sure that's what part of the deal is. We all know how frees work these days, especially. Um, just making really the vital investments in key areas. I think that's been the biggest difference because mm. when I sit back and I look at the Dean Smith mm. days and, like I said, the Gerard days, um, it almost seemed like it was quality over quantity and we would cope that way. Um, these days, it's interesting to see the likes of a, a different version of Felipe Coutinho that we're all kind of sad to see that he's not the same way, especially Villa fans right now. With, it seems like he plays five minutes and gets injured every time. Um, having yeah. the likes of Hiv on the bench, um, we can keep Matty Cash on the bench at times. There's just that kind of next step we've taken. And I, I guess the next question, particularly for Villa fans, really is, how long will it take to get to that next step that we want to take on? 
Okay. And like what you're saying there, you know, you've got some business left in the market to do. Do you, what are you guys looking for? Like, where are you looking to strengthen the most or is it more kind of cover for positions that you're looking at? Well, as long as no one gets another ACL injury or anything like that day before a game, I think we'll be pretty good. Um, I don't really think we pictured Emi Buendia getting hurt when he did. And then Tyrone Mings, of course, on the opening match against uh, Newcastle, they'll be out significantly. So we've already seen uh, the likes of Fabrizio Romano come out with uh, Longley is apparently coming as replacement on loan with an option to buy. So that's interesting. I, I think that was needed regardless um, with basically playing three center backs primarily already that only really leaves us with the likes of Callum Chambers, which isn't particularly uh, Unai Emery center back, even though he was there um, during his time at Arsenal. I think he can cover a few different things. So what I would like to see at least is probably another backup goalkeeper that could push Olsen probably to third, someone a little bit more comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, and really, I guess the thing that every fan's been crying out for and, for some reason, we all know football fans are fickle. We think getting the next great striker to play in behind the striker you're already starting and pleased with is so easy. But we would love another mm. attacker because, to be honest, if Ollie Watkins goes down, we are looking extremely light. And then there'll be a lot of questions asked if that ever happens. So knock on wood for that. Yeah, I mean, you guys looking slightly light in attack, you know, from a Liverpool perspective, you know, we can see it in the comments section. Uh, we're looking quite light in midfield, <clears throat> but some news did break today uh, through David Ornstein, which I know is what a lot of fans want uh, want us to talk about before we move on to the fixture, which we will. So I hope you don't mind for a minute, Cole. He's going to talk about some Liverpool transfer news that has Absolutely. broken the last hour, which awful timing, genuinely, because I do <laughs> want to talk about Villa. But uh, so I'm just going to quickly share my screen here. So in the last hour or so, David Ornstein and Paul Joyce have been breaking the news. Can you guys see that screen right there? It'll be coming yeah. off in a moment. There you go. So it's basically broke today that Ryan Gray, uh, Gravenberg, he wants to move. We are in contact with his representatives. You know, Klopp likes him a lot. Um, and Brian is basically eyeing up a replacement holding midfielder. Now, it does seem that there are a lot of, know, there's a lot of sources that are already bringing this through, saying that this is something we are looking at. What do you guys think? You know, from, from an inside perspective, Craig, you know, he wasn't the name that we were all thinking of. He's not necessarily his six. You know, he is more of an eight. So what's your initial reaction to this news? I'm, I'm, pre I'm pretty happy. As in, like, I think we talked about this at the start of the window. And I, before Fabinho and Henderson had left, I was kind of okay on us bringing in more reinforcements in midfield because I can see what our starting 11 is. I can see what our kind of cup competition 11 is and what the rotation is. So the only thing I was kind of concerned while the two lads were still here was going, will this person get minutes? And I think now with Henderson and Fabinho gone, there is definitely a guarantee of minutes for another midfielder. But at the same time, I, it's it's a funny one because like, you know, he's leaving Bayern Munich for, for minutes and like, you know, he's going to come in behind Sabaslai and McAllister, you'd think. So what we're all kind of guessing is that he will be molded into into a long term six or maybe a double pivot in the six as well? Mm. Um, but like, isn't he's not going to be going in straight away into the starting eleven and you know running running the show from day one? So this is a kind of a project player, which is um, exactly the type of signing you'd expect from Liverpool um, yep. as well. Unlike Endo, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, again, it was that was this is more along the lines of what the kind of market that we're in. It looks like it could be pretty good value considering his pedigree. Um, like I'm not going to say considering the last year or so, but he has a good pedigree, a uh, good background, and has definitely shown at Ajax that he can 
he has a high ceiling. Yeah. Uh, it's the only my only worry would be the fact that he didn't make it at Bayern, and and like I think that's a it's a it's a concern that any fan could could take. But at the same time, you know, it's got to bear in mind that it's Klopp that's going to be managing him. It's going to be the it's going to be all the lads that have have turned Gini Alden and Rabo and all of these type of lads into superstars. So I. I'm confident that we can turn around, but at the same time, we still need to kind of play it by ear and see how he fits into into the squad. But definitely, you know, this this seems like the versatile midfielder that we've been looking for um, for most of the window. Um, but at the end of the day, we were always going to push for value. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd say between Kone, Taram, Gravenberch, this guy is definitely the cheapest. You know, and I, I think that yeah. that would be my. <laughs> thinking on it well there's a little bit of a concern there i think among liverpool fans in general you know we've gone this whole window i mean it's been the last month of pure silence hasn't it really in terms of midfielders we had the 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 lavia and the caicedo uh stuff go down which was just an absolute mess up by the club it, it really made us look look like fools really from the outside looking in i'm sure cole you were probably laughing watching that all go down you know go from lafayette to caicedo 110 mil and then missed out on both and while you were rubbing your hands together getting yuri tillman's on a free <laughs> but from you know from our perspective you know we we see this and I don't know how other fans feel. Please, if you guys are watching this right now, leave a comment. Let me know what you guys are thinking about this signing um, and make sure you leave a like button, a like as well. Trust me, it always helps out. But there's a question now, is he more of the depth signing? I, I hope not. We don't need a depth signing. What we need is we need an out-and-out six. We need someone who can come in right now and make that impact. And I think the question is really, can this guy make that impact? I, I don't think so. I think he's a talented player. But is he a six? No. Is he someone who breaks up play a lot? I don't know. He was very good at Ajax, but just like Craig said, he was unable to do anything for himself at Bayern. And the fact that Bayern are willing to let him go, by the sounds of it, somewhat on the cheap, it's it, it's it, it is questionable. Uh, Mister T said here, not the Mister T for those who remember that, but uh, Mister T says here, you know, he's a top prospect back in 2019. Very excited to see what Klopp could turn him into. Uh, Hamza says our priority should be and must be a CDM and then him as a decent as decent squad depth. Hamza, I could not agree more. And I think what worries me is with two days to go, he is the only name that we've seen. So I will push mean... back. I'll push back a little bit, Mike, because we haven't seen Endo. So like again, when people are going screaming for a proper six, a proper a CDM, blah blah. We don't like. I'll put my hand up and say I think everyone in the comments. I don't think anyone's a Stuttgart fan. I don't think anyone's watching Bundesliga. So I don't mm. think anybody can actually stand over the opinion on Endo with confidence and say that he's not good enough or he is good enough. Mm. At, the, at the moment, his price tag, his age, his nationality—these are the things that are being thrown against thrown against him. But he okay. He has a good. Yeah, he's he's got a good reputation. He may be our number six, and he may be good enough. He may be the again another Robo type of signing. Uh, I know that's not what, what people want, but again, you know, you look at what his value could be like at the end of the season if he if he performs well. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. If you you talk about play, value, Craig. You talk about value, but I think you know we know for for example, and Cole now knows if we ever went for a Villa player, we have 110 mil supposedly there, right? Oh, uh, guys, give me one moment, Craig. Can you take over for me, mate? Uh, yeah, sure thing. Um... <laughs> So anyway, I like as I was. I think well, I, I'm waiting for some pushback. So Cole, if you want to give me some pushback on that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that'd be okay. But here, here, we can actually um, we can segue over to over, yeah. over to the match while Mike's getting Mike's getting set up because you're obviously not comfortable talking yeah. about Liverpool transfer news. So come here to me. Um, last year, 
I thought you guys were obviously very good against us at, at Villa. One of the few teams to actually put up a fight in our in our good run um, at the end of the year. And it was it was impressive. I thought, you know, you guys had, had a game plan, um, which you did really well, which was, um, I think you mentioned earlier on, kind of going down the left and then you have a, a late arrival on the right with Cash, which was, was obviously evident last week. Um, but the interplay was the one thing that stood out for me between Villa is that you guys smashed you smashed four or five passes together and it was done like up the other end of the pitch and goal or chance. Not a, didn't seem like a possession based team, just like a decent decent build up play and hit them hit it hit it quick and hard. Would you think would you think that would be a fair assumption or is that more what you're like against bigger teams? <laughs> I think, to be honest, I feel like Unai Emery has a very similar way of playing every game, but with the slight tweaks. So while with Burnley, they were basically, well, Burnley had more possession, which might shock some people. But again, this isn't the, the Sean Dyche Burnley. So you're it's probably to expect a little bit more of that coming from a, a Vincent Company side. But the thing there, we were happy to play in a bit of a, I guess, a midline block I guess you could say I wouldn't really call it a low block or a high block and we're able to really absorb that pressure pretty easily I would say with considering what they threw at us and the counterattack was everything and I feel like it's probably going to be pretty similar in terms of what you'll probably see on Sunday with Villa kind of trying to absorb that pressure breakout one two passing through the middle and then trying to kind of push it out wide I think the one thing that Ollie Watkins has I mean he's always excelled at this at his time at Villa but the one thing that's become really evident during his time under Unai Emery Mm -hmm. is the hold up play being able to bring players in even more I think he's went leaps and bounds kind of um, in terms of improvement in that part of his game so albeit there's still that odd concern with him in terms of his finishing ability sometimes he needs two or three chances at times and other times he'll score three in a row. I mean, we, we saw that, of course, um, in, in the 7-2 game where it felt like everything was going in and that was a, a freak result. I don't think we'll ever see that again. Um, Hopefully not. <laughs> no, I, I just don't think so because the amount of deflections that went in that game was absurd. But I do expect for us to set up in a, a low block, kind of bringing it out from the back and being able to kind of push it very quickly. And I, I think that's really where the likes of Matty Cash and Luca Dean come in and become such an integral part of this squad because albeit there's been lots of conversation about moving Dean on because Moreno was injured and might come back sooner than later. Um, he's proven to definitely be more than good enough for assists in the last I guess four games, you guess you could really say there, um, even though three of those were against him. So take that with a, a grain of salt. But all in all, um, the way that we're able to get those wing backs, full backs, whatever you want to call them, um, kind of into the transition from defense to attack, it's definitely probably been one of the most key points of the game. And like as this uh, cash like pop, popping up with two goals, like he do, he, he looked at, he looked really dangerous. Obviously, aside from that as well, he had another another chance. Probably could have got a hat trick um, in the game. Is is this has this been going on since last season as well, or is this kind of a new new tactic at play? I would definitely say it's new. It was pretty unexpected, to be honest. Um, I think there was a lot of like last season he would play as the designated right back he'd still bomb forward and bomb back like it didn't really it hasn't really changed essentially since we signed him under dean smith um kind of going into this season it kind of seemed like we want to play with more of a a back three in attack and a back five defending with of course a right back going up and down same with the left back 
Um, Konza has filled in at right back at times as well, but I feel like it just, obviously he doesn't, I shouldn't say he doesn't offer that quality because he scored a quality goal in preseason, but that's preseason, of course. But with Matty Cash, I feel like it's more probably of a comforting position and factor for him. If you go back to his forest days, uh, probably the best example I could say, I think he actually scored a couple against Villa. We, we drew five all when we were in the championship, and he was a key component on that right-hand side in the, in the attack for Forrest back then. And it was interesting to see it against Burnley because it almost felt like you were kind of getting that player back where you can see a little bit more of his finishing ability. And I think he does have it in him. And to be mm. honest, it probably does fit his game a little bit more as well because there's been times where Villa fans have probably got on his back for uh, his positioning or the passing, but his pace and his ability to kind of get into open space going forward is is massively underrated. And I think that's something that Unai Emery is trying to tap into a little bit more. Okay. Um, I just I do want to point up here what Anfield Ladd has said. Um, Diaby will be a real threat against us in, in the right-hand side, which obviously he's got a brilliant start to start to his career with you guys. Um like any any words on him just for for us who, who don't wouldn't know that much about him apart from being like there is talk of him being the Salah replacement. So uh, I think people, some Liverpool fans want to see him do well, some don't for various different reasons. So uh, go on, give us give us a few words on Diaby. I, I will say first and foremost, I love how he's played like three or four games for us actually in like actual competition prior to preseason. You know, he's already being linked with the move away, but that's football nonetheless. But, um, I mean, just to put it in simple terms, um, he's a real talent. Um, the real difference that I can kind of put between him and the likes of uh, Leon Bailey and Virgin Traore and any other wingers we've really had in the past that I can think of, or attackers, he's they're always looking for space, of course, but it's almost like he has that extra little bit of intelligence to create even more space that's even needed, probably, than most other players would even ask for. Um, he's always looking for a pass. He's always looking to get open. There's that hunger to succeed. And I, I think that's what makes him such an intelligent footballer as well. He's so aware of what's going around him. He's able to kind of anticipate things before they're happening. And I think that's probably been the biggest thing that, um, and I hate bringing up the name, but we've probably been missing since Grealish left. And all in all, I, I wouldn't compare Diaby to Grealish, but there are parallels in certain aspects and his ability to finish. I mean, the uh, goal against Newcastle is well taken. Of course, he scored a, mm -hmm. another good one recently as well. And I think he's going to cause a lot of trouble. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, in my opinion, Liverpool kind of handle that because we haven't really yet seen him maybe in double coverage or in situations where he's going to be kind of pressed to the max. We haven't really come up against a Liverpool or a traditional top six, as you must as you must 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 say, if I can get words out of my my mouth right now, I know Liverpool or not Liverpool, Newcastle fans may disagree with that statement, um, considering last season. But uh, it should be an interesting battle, nonetheless. Mm. Um, I just this question came to me the other day because I think Liverpool fans themselves don't know the answer. Uh, so from from your point of view, looking at at us, um, who would you rather? Like you know, because Gary Neville basically said he 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 wouldn't want to be playing against Darwin Nunes. He'd prefer to play against Gakpo. So out of uh, after seeing last week against Newcastle, who would you prefer to be starting against your back four or back uh, three? What, what, what was it? Back four, or back three, uh, back three, and defending back five and attack. Honestly, when you look at the lineup, it's um, 
it's so confusing. Like you wouldn't even know what formation it's in until you can actually see them play for about five minutes and then you get the shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so N- Nunez or Gakpo, who's who's more worrying some for for you? See, that's one of those tricky questions where I'll say one person and the other person will score probably. Um, but uh, that's usually how it works, being a Villa fan especially. But uh, I would say I'm more concerned about Nunez. Um, I think Gakpo has that raw talent, though I still feel like it needs to be honed and mastered a little bit. I think I feel like it's not all put together with him yet, and and due course it can happen. But I think with Nunez, if he can keep that consistency up, if he can keep that lethal edge um, to a consistent level, I think he then becomes one of the best attackers in the league, in my opinion. And that's not just me saying that because I'm on a, a Liverpool channel. So, <laughs> All right, guys, I'm back. God knows where you guys are now. Sorry, I got pulled into a team meeting. I'm working from home, guys, so bear with me. I'm here now. <laughs> yeah, what are we talking yeah, about? It was, it was dodgy territory there with your mic in the background, but we got we got there. <laughs> I know, I had to mute myself. I was like, bloody hell, everyone's hearing me on the conference call. Jesus. Um, I, I, so I, I, couldn't, I couldn't concentrate on what Cole was saying for a good minute, so I apologize to anyone. <laughs> I am so sorry, guys. You know, I literally, it was my boss as well. So thankfully, my boss is a United fan, so no chance they're watching the stream. Uh, so we're all right now. <laughs> Um, but anyway, boys. So, what was the, what was the topic? Let me steer it back. Let me get involved. Uh, we were talking about the match at the weekend. We said we go back to so Cole wasn't in the in the Liverpool. Uh, me talking about transfers on my own. Um, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, we were basically I kind of talk about the the formations, uh, how, how they're going to play, um, and then like going back to last season, what, how how the teams did against each other. And just general tactics for Villa. And Cole has agreed with Gary Neville and said that he would prefer Nunes to start over Gakpo. I stand with of... that. I stand with that. Listen, I, I think Nunes, after the display putting against Newcastle, I think he'd cause Villa an absolute pain in the pain in the uh, pain in the arse, if I'm honest with you. I think Tyrone Mings is a really, really solid centre back, same with Pal Torres. Uh I just think his I think his speed would drag your your defenders back and create the space. Now, Douglas Louise, uh, I think you'll start Yuri Tillmans. I really do. I think he is kind of built for this kind of game. So if you start him, I'd be a bit bit more worried because I think his range of passing would really catch us off on the counter. Uh, mainly just because the way we, the way we leave ourselves exposed leave ourselves exposed is terrifying. Uh, it's just how you guys end up uh, trying to deal with our midfield. You know, game is won and lost in midfield, and I think. I mean, what would you do, Cole? What midfield would you start? If our midfield three is Endo, Sabasly, McAllister, which we would expect it to be, um, who would you start in your midfield to counteract that? I think it's going to be, realistically, uh, considering that Villa play Hibs tomorrow, I'd imagine Tillman's probably starts in that game because he hasn't got a full start yet. Whether that translates over to the weekend and he just has limited minutes is another thing. I think, to be honest, it'll probably be status quo. He'll probably start with... Louise and Kamara as the two holding kind of transitioning. And then you have some combination of McGinn on the right, kind of cutting into the middle. Um, And then the likes of, I don't know if we'll go with Leon Bailey or if he'll more so kind of leave that up to Luca Dean and maybe even um, somebody else essentially to slot in there. But I would say those three are probably going to be the main midfielders. And then in terms of kind of how they press from attack, it's going to be, some combination of Diaby and Watkins kind of rotating with one another um, in regards to the press or the hold up play, that kind of stuff. Right. So in front of goal, I wanted to ask you about Diaby, by the way. So 
there i've seen them i mean you'll be the same as me and so so craig like in the premier league i've seen a million of incredible wingers that are technically brilliant come and go i think what defines like a good winger and a great winger is their end product right so what's his end product been like in the first three games and should we be worried because he's coming up against andy robertson and whoever we decide to fill in van dyke spot well um we, we discussed this briefly but just to kind of play it back like really it's one of those things where he has the eye for goal like it, it's clearly there and he likes to score a pretty goal um i can't remember if it was against newcastle or the burnley one he took it on the half volley out of, out of absolutely nothing I, I know anyone could really do that and it, it comes off but every goal he's produced so far has looked a little bit unorthodox in a way maybe you should take that extra touch maybe you should give a moment to kind of um, think through what you want to really do with it. And it seems like he knows what he's, he wants when the plays are kind of coming in and around him. I, mm-hmm. I, I think just his awareness and his ability to kind of break free of space is probably the two biggest things. Now, when it comes to Liverpool, it will be interesting from the back line. I think the way him and Ollie Watkins have worked together hasn't been perfect yet. So I, I think once we start seeing Ollie scoring, a few goals, then that'll probably change within um, the Villa fan base. But in terms of Watkins being able to hold it up and give it to the likes of a a Bailey or um, a Diaby, I think with Diaby in particular, he's probably the most likely to be able to penetrate that back line. And like Mm. I said before, that's purely because he's just creating so much space. Like it's... I said at the very start, it's night day between him and Leon Bailey. Like it's it's absurd to see what he can do when you consider that they were both playing for the same team at one point um, and didn't cost too, too much in terms of transfer value. But well, he's with Leon Bailey, sorry to cut you off from, from what I understand about him. Cause I was, I've been a big fan of him. We were linked with him very briefly at one stage and I was a big, I was a big advocate for him uh, before he came to the prem. I feel like he might be more of a confidence player than Diaby. Whereas Diaby, I feel like can work through those moments Whereas I feel like Bailey maybe needs an arm around the shoulder to get him through it, which, listen, that's a defining factor at the very top level. You know, some pl- players need to be able to sort of get themselves up off the ground. Um, and I feel like maybe that's where Diaby has the upper hand. It appears like if things aren't going for him, he's just going to keep working until it does. His head doesn't seem to drop. And uh, I mean, that's got to be very exciting for you guys. You guys haven't had a winger like that for some time. so. Yeah, no, that's that's 100% truth. It. <laughs> Bailey's a really weird case study if you ever wanted to look into it and had a free afternoon and I don't know why you'd want to do that. But it's it, it really even started with him. Like we knew that, th- that it was going to be weird from when we were linked with him because the announcement wasn't even official yet. And it was like somewhere in Jamaica, his I think it's like his uncle or his stepdad or something is his agent. And it was like this very tin pot announcement. And it looked like it was in the back of a garden shed. Um and it just from there, we just every Villa fan I felt like that I've talked to got that feeling that this is going to be a very strange signing, and it, it's lived up to then. I mean, he started very well a few couple years ago now against Everton, got injured, and I think for him it's just staying healthy, and it is that confidence. It's I've never I hate saying it, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen a Villa player more fragile with confidence than Leon Bailey, and it's not a nice thing to say. I think it's just the truth. Mm, I mean. That, that is completely fair. I will say we have just got a little bit more of an update on the Grav- uh, Gravenberg situation. So once more to segue away from Aston Villa, much to Cole's dismay, I do have to, of course, bring this to you guys. So you guys just want to turn your attention to this wonderful tweet. 
from Plettenberg. So João Paulinha wants to join Bayern Munich. The clubs are working on a solution. Now, for those who aren't putting two and two together, this is directly linked to the sale of Gravenberg. They are lining up a replacement, as reported earlier by Melissa Reddy as well. Uh, they are in the need of a replacement. So if they get the replacement in, that frees up the space for us to go right in and get that signing. Craig, are things starting to look like they're falling in place for us? Yeah, this is this is the end of the window. This is this is the kind of obviously what people didn't want. You know, it's like, oh, team not prepared, no strategy whatsoever. But at the end of the day, there's always a strategy to play it out until the end of the window to see what other clubs are doing. To see what the value, like sorry, I hate I hate bringing this word in now. Value, but, <laughs> <Go on. laughs> no, but that that would basically be it. You know, as in that whatever a month ago, teams weren't going to be playing ball in terms of transfers. Uh, mm. They were setting high value, setting high valuations for players until you know until it's too late now. They need to move these guys on because there's better players available or happier players yeah. around. So, are we not playing as, a dangerous game, Craig? Are we not playing a dangerous game? This is very much like playing poker. You know, we're waiting until the next person blinks. Right now, Fulham are blinking, willing to sell Paulinia, but just because Paulinia goes to Munich doesn't necessarily guarantee us Gravenberg. We only have a couple of days left. Are we playing it a yeah, bit but, too close? Well, we could spend 70 million on Paulina. You well, know, this is what, Zoe makes a great point in the comments section. Well, you know, why don't we try and hijack the deal? You know, we, we've been hijacked enough this summer. You know, we failed the hijacking. Uh, uh, we've we've already got our one player outside of the the, the modeling or the the status quo or whatever the the age bracket the type of profile the player that we look for. Um, but should this I, not be the type of player we're targeting? We're targeting a very you know sort of that, you know, a player that can play in a multitude of roles. He's very young. He's very raw. But currently, this player moving to Bayern does he not scream the type of player that we currently need? Uh, Cole, I'll ask you outside looking in. Totally outside looking in. What do you think, Cole? I, I think it's a weird one with Liverpool. Like, it's it, it's interesting when you sit back and you look at it. I mean, the Saicedo thing was just like the value for money, players wise. Now, like, it doesn't exist. I don't think there's unless you're signing like you're a Brighton and you're signing a player for like one million, um, and then they turn into something that's value. But do Liverpool really want to go down that road? I think with the way that Klopp has built this side he's already really done that so do you want to go through that whole process again I think like not to give you a direct answer to that but I feel like Liverpool's at that kind of crossroads where it's you have the likes of Van Dijk and Salah still who are getting older but then you kind of need to bring the next generation in but some of that isn't ready it it's a it's a really weird one because rebuilding on the fly in, in any sport is so so difficult and when you look at this in particular to Byron coming in uh, for Paulinha, yeah, I guess you could sit back and say, well, why aren't Liverpool doing that? But again, you probably do look at his age too. And like, Byron just spent hundred million on Harry Kane. Exactly. It's, it, it's, it's really tricky because like, yeah, you're taking one of their players. Does it work out? Who knows? But I mean, look at half the, if not more than half the players that Klopp has signed uh, pre Tiago and a few other players that were already proven. Um, he likes working with these players and it does work most of the time. So as much as the instant success is needed, um, I mean, even look, I mean, another great case study, look at Chelsea. Uh, they'll spend yeah. like, they'll steal money from their own grandmothers to, to pay for something. And I mean, it doesn't always work out. So hopefully no Chelsea fans are watching you say. So. 
Well, it's, it's okay. They don't like me anyways. <laughs> now you're a Villa fan. Why would they, right? Exactly. <laughs> they like themselves at this point. Craig, what, what are you thinking about the way he'd fill in though? I'm sure you guys touched on that briefly and you know, we'll, we'll move from this into our score predictions for the game. But just if we were to sign him, how does he fit in? Does he start? Is he coming off the bench? How, how do you see him fitting into the team? Uh, de- like I think from from for the first month anyway, I wouldn't expect him anywhere near the starting eleven, um, mm. because we have kind of people already trained up into those positions and things like that. And I, I do expect him to be molded into a six as opposed to playing an eight, because we've we've all seen how amazing Sabasly is. Uh, we all yep. know what McAllister is like. So at the end of the day, he's he's not going to be starting over either of those two on merit week in week out. That's he will be rotated with them when they need minutes, uh, when they need a bit of rest, and there's going to be cup competitions and, and all of that. He'll definitely get minutes. But at the same time, is he going to be in our strongest 11? Not unless he becomes a six, um, in, my, in my mind. Um, and the end of the, and even there, that also kind of depends on, like we got Batshit as well, who's in that. He actually played really well as Nate, um, did did a good job at six as well. So we don't know if he's going to be th- going to be the six, um, or the backup six, or the pathway six as well. Because um, this is like as I think Cole Cole touched on it there with, with Klopp um, and other things. And people, a lot of fans aren't are you know are looking at us thinking that we're we're totally unprepared. But at the same time, we've always kept a pathway for youth players into the first team, and that's mm. how we attract youth players into the club at a younger age when they're not ready for the pathway straight away is that we can show them that look this player got their chance you know when you look at Kwanzaa you can say look at Nat Phillips look at look at Reese Williams they those guys had their chances and at the end of the day they they kept getting their chances until they stopped performing you know and or until they the guys came back so these these young players the the Elliots the Kwanzaa's the Doaks like they are there's a pathway there and the more senior players we bring in to take will either inhibit or stop their development in some way, shape, or form, or they'll just be unhappy because they're getting development minutes as opposed to like you know senior first team in in a, like a proper member of the, of the team. So that I think I think that's an important thing that fans kind of kind of forget. They want us to be run like Brighton and to be kind of picking up these uh, players from all different parts of the world or uh, promoting youth players. But at the same time, when we have these youth players sitting in our own squad who we have actually picked up from around the world as well, um, they're not ready to give them a chance unless they're Ben Doak. Like Ben Doak's like the only one that everyone's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I think I think he's good. Enough. <laughs> I think we, we all seen him out in his little cameo against Villa as well. I think he went past a few players and. I think we all just went, yeah, go on. He's fine. Yeah, yeah. He's um, happy. Uh, You're happy as him yeah. is the right yeah. way. I will yeah. say, Craig, that's a fantastically put, um, put point. Uh, fantastically put, mate. Going on to the game, uh, you know, we'll try and tie this in now. Uh, somehow, you know, it's a bit of a reach round to go, go all the way. But coming into the game on Sunday, how are you feeling, Cole? Do you think this is a three, three points your way? Are you going for a point? Would you be happy with a point? Or what's the feeling among Villa fans right now? I think when you're playing Liverpool, you're always probably happy with a point. Um, it'll be interesting to see really how Unai Emery kind of manages tomorrow against Tibbs. We're already 5 nil up, so you would ex- assume that it's second string. But at the same time, knowing him, I feel like he's not really going to take chances in a few positions as well. Uh, maybe they get hauled off at halftime or something like that to kind of shore things up if we're in a lead. So with that in mind... It is a tricky one. I feel like 
I don't know, with Unai Emery, I don't think I've ever felt this way before. And I, I feel like some people think I come off as very arrogant saying this, but I feel like we can go into every game and win. And that's been something I haven't felt under um, an array of very tragic managers in the last 10 years. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, really, I, I think the best kind of way to really pose that from a little perspective is why not? go there and try to get three points it's not like we really have anything to lose at this point we're in a european competition um do i expect us to do as well as last season in the league maybe dip down a few spots but i think we have a a great chance to win a trophy in a european competition as mm. tin pot as some people think the conference league is so uh, yeah. nonetheless i uh <laughs> I, I think go there and go for it and uh I'll be arrogant, I guess to say, and uh, I think and hope we'll win. All right. What about yourself? What about yourself, Craig? Liverpool fan perspective going into it. How are you feeling? Are you feeling confident after what happened at Newcastle? Yeah, I'm feeling confident. I think they're I, just going on form and how we've been. I'm expecting a bit of a maybe. Okay, maybe I'm expecting like a really fast first two minutes. And then it's a slow, like, uh, next 10, 15 minutes or so as as we kind of right. feel our way into the game. Or the new centre-backs pairing, whatever it may be, as they kind of just get acclimatised to having the ball and that type of thing. But at the end of the day, I, I can see us conceding, um, but I can also see us scoring three or four um, as well. So sorry to sorry to say that, Gil. Um, okay. But I, I do expect us to win, win at Anfield. Um, I do expect you to put up a fight um, and even give us a bit of a scare. But at the end of the day, I think I think we're at a stage now. I think the fans should like you know start getting a bit more optimistic over what our, our season's like because we can see that we can change the team in the middle of the game and become a totally different team in the, in the second half with subs or with just to tactical changes. And it'd be nice to have eleven men. So like you know we might actually we, don't we might... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. See how far well, we get. I'm fucking. Uh, upping uh, Gomez is going to get a red card for just looking at the referee. Uh, so. I was as good a save as Allison at Newcastle, mate. My God, yeah, what one upping thing, right? Killed it, oh, brilliant. Thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming into the game, uh, you know, you've always got to ask the question about score predictions. But before I ask that, if you, if I could get a standout player from each, each, each one of you, all right, who do you think is going to stand out for your team on Sunday, Cole? Um. You know what? I'll uh, I'll be a little bit different because I could easily say probably Diaby, but I'm going to say John McGinn. I think John McGinn. I will give me the reason why. What's John McGinn going to pull up against? Pull up against us. He's not going to score one from 30 yards again, is he? He's not going to do that against us. Well, he has probably one of the largest behinds in the Premier League, and the way that he's <laughs> able to use that whoa, to whoa. open up space. Wait, <laughs> I feel like I misheard you. It's impossible to get the ball off. <laughs> yeah, he literally uses his behind. behind to block. So I like it, it's a it's a go it's an ongoing thing with Villa fans. Um, he'll purette with the ball. It is not beautiful, but it works because he can literally body hip check whatever anybody. Okay. Like it's I don't know. He just opens up space. He's he's being more clinical. Um, and um, I feel like we're starting to see the um. Scotland version of John McGinn in attack mm. more often. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, why not pop up with a goal on Sunday? I'd take it. Okay, John McGinn. And Craig, who do you think is going to be the standout player for Liverpool on Sunday and why? 
I was going to hope for, I'm going to say two. I'm going to say Sabo and Trent. Um, mm. I just think that, that side of the pitch is going to be absolutely key for us. Um, and with the way Villa kind of sit back or kind of can, can play with the back five um, in defence, I think Trent will will be a bit more inverted this week than usual than the last couple of weeks. And and he better have a bloody good game um, is, 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 what yeah. I, is what I want. Uh, because, he, yeah, he's going to be the key to unlocking that defence, I think. And Sabo's work rate and uh, on, on the right side, because that, or where Villa kind of made headway with us was quick interplay on that side of the pitch with little one-twos in, in around Henderson or wherever it was. So um, mm. Sabo will be expected to stop most of their attacks. But then you know, if he can stop those attacks, then he's going to be really dangerous on the, on the break back then. Um, yeah. but, but also hoping, hoping Trent can... Um, well, he redeemed himself last week already, uh, but I want to see it from minute one next week. All right, so listen, we'll wrap up with some score predictions. So, Cole, 90 minutes done. What's the score going to be? Um, I mean, I've already committed to the confidence factor. Um, <laughs> I do think there's... I, I said last week against Burnley, there would be goals for both sides. Some people looked at me kind of weird, and that did happen. So, um, to be Nostradamus for a second week in a <laughs> row, I will say a high-scoring... I don't think this is going to happen, but I'll say 3-2 Villa. It'd be very entertaining and maddening for both sides. Okay, 3-2. Can I get some goal scorers in there too? You're saying 3-2? Who do you think the goal scorers are going to be? Go on, dedicate. We'll clip this if you get it right. Let's see. Well, I should put a lottery ticket if I get it right, but um, (laughs) let's see here. Uh, For Villa, let's say Watkins gets one. Um, We'll say Diaby gets one. And... It's been a while since we've had a defender score. So let's say uh, Diego Carlos gets uh, mm. his first Villa goal because uh, he's a little bit of a a brick, you know what. Um, and then for Liverpool, let's say uh, to appease you guys, let's say Trent scores um, <laughs> just so um, he's happy for a week. And I feel like Salah scores every time against us anyway, so you might as well throw him there as well. All right. And Craig, what are you saying? Once I hear yours, I'll go to what a few of the predictions in the chat as well. So if you guys put your predictions in, Craig, what are you thinking? I'm gonna push I'm gonna push it out. I'm gonna push it out to four one. Um and I hope just gonna get the villa one out of the way. I've I had Maddie Cash in my fancy football team last week, so uh, I hope to see him get the only villa goal if he is to score. I'm gonna keep him in for this week anyway. Uh, even though he's going to get, a, he's going to get a few minuses for goals conceded. Uh, but so no, I, uh, I'd hope, I'd hope for, and yeah, Salah's Salah's due, um, due one or a brace, and then again, I've, I won't guess because it's either going to be Nunes or Gakpo. To be honest, I actually think Gakpo. I, I hope I hope Klopp picks Nunes for the momentum and the confidence and all that, but I feel like Gakpo might suit against Villa more with uh, with how deep you guys are again. So like he'd be be better in the line. So I'm gonna stick my neck out and go Gakpo, Salah, um, and yeah, Sabasly off the mark. Sabasly off the mark. Okay, yeah. that's a fantastic one. I will say my quick prediction. I think it's gonna be three 0 I think it's gonna be a Nunes hat trick. And I'll, I'll just say that every week until it happens now. Uh, so let's go through some of the ones that are in the chat. Guys, get your predictions in. We'll start off. Anfield Lads says 3-1. Luke Carroll's come in with 4-2. He also made a comment about one of us looking like Terry Venables. I'm not sure which one it was. But uh, apparently one of us looks like Terry Venables. I'm pretty sure it's one of you two because I definitely don't look like him. 
Uh, Zoe comes in and says, no chance that we're going to get a clean sheet. However, does believe we'll win 3-1. I like the confidence. Luke Carroll doubling down on his. He believes Lucho and Mac will get on the score sheet. I would love a McAllister goal. I'll tell you right now, I would limbs would go if we get a McAllister goal. Vesa Flowers, a lot more confident uh, than Zoe. Believes we'll get a clean sheet with Matip Gomez and Allison at the back. I love your confidence. Zoe's goal scorers, you've got Nunes, Sabo and Diaz. Uh, that Again, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just... Anfield lad says Nunez, Salah and Trent. Not many people think of Villa are getting a single goal here uh, to score, I think. And uh, and the Diaby goal. There you go. Well, I, have to, I, have to, I have to respond to Luke Carroll in the comments here. Yes, oh, he does play he does play a crazy high line, but he's not gonna play a crazy high line at Anfield. It's just it's it's not gonna happen. We're not gonna let him. If he does, <laughs> we'll punish it. Fantastic. I love teams that play crazy high lines, but I just don't see it happening. Well, just push on, wrapping it up. Daz, uh, Daz Reynolds says 3-0, Salah Diaz, Nunes. So we both say the same scoreline, mate. Different goal scorers, nothing wrong with that. And uh, Vesa Flowers, lovely little uh, round off there. Cash sent off for jingling in the rest pocket. I'm not really sure what he's trying to insinuate, but there you go. Uh, Luke Harrell's absolutely just not having it here, son. I'm going to assume that you know him, buddy. Uh, guys, thank you guys for tuning in. Cole, thank you very much for coming on, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Craig, as always, mate, thank you very much. And everyone that's watching, thank you guys very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. Make sure to like, make sure to subscribe. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Okay, bye for now. 5-1, five, five Luke. <laughs>